This is Jeff Young, the Catholic Foodie at CatholicFoodie.com, and you're listening to episode 26, La Comida Mexicana. Well, this episode, we're going to talk a bit about Mexican food, La Comida Mexicana. I was at the CNMC uh, this past week, or last weekend, I guess, uh, in San Antonio, San Antonio, Texas. And so uh, Texas, you know, it's famous for two things, uh, probably famous for many things. But as far as food goes, you've got Texas barbecue and also Tex-Mex. I don't know if you know this, but I lived in Mexico for two years. I was in the seminary with Mother Teresa's priests in Tijuana, Mexico. And uh, it was a wonderful time. I loved it. And I really fell in love with the people, with the culture, with the food, with the music. I fell in love with all of it. Uh, I I love Mexico. So, uh, you know, I went to San Antonio. And, I mean, CNMC, what can I say? It was phenomenal. Uh, Getting to meet so many people uh, that I've I've listened to on the radio. I mean, not the radio. I've listened to their podcast. I've read about, you know, I've read their blogs. And uh, I got to meet them in person. It's it was amazing. It really was. And I learned so much. There's just so much that came out of that uh, that, that uh, weekend for me. I, I got there on a Thursday night, and I left on a Sunday afternoon. So it was wonderful. But I also left San Antonio with Mexican food on the brain. So we're going to talk about Mexican food in this episode. Catholic Foodie, where food meets faith. Well, uh, you know, it's you know it's funny. I, I really have been thinking about Mexica, Mexican food a lot. And uh, I just, I don't know. I, I was in San Antonio. Actually, there were two places I ate in San Antonio. The first place was a, uh, a barbecue place, uh, the County Line. And that's right there on the Riverwalk. And then also I, I ate at a place called Casa Rio, right? Uh, right there on the Riverwalk as well. And it's a beautiful uh, restaurant. Uh, very uh, authentic Mexican, but outside on the Riverwalk itself, right there on the river, there are tables set up. So you can eat inside or outside, and all the tables have these very vibrant uh, colored umbrellas. So, I mean, red and, and, and blue and yellow and green and just really just very vibrant. Uh, a beautiful sight when you're walking down the Riverwalk and you look over and see this, uh, this particular restaurant, Casa Rio. Uh, so it was it was very good. Matter of fact, I ate there twice. Uh, Friday we had the um, the meet and greet that uh, that evening, and but at lunchtime, right around lunchtime, I was invited to uh, to to lunch with uh, with Father Roderick and and most of or if not all of the uh, SQPN board. Uh, there were a few of us who were not on the board, uh, but were there at the hotel. And who had been just hanging out and doing Ustream and everything else uh, during the day, who were just invited to, to hang out and uh, have lunch before they actually started their official meeting. So that was really cool. I mean, there were just so many people. And, of course, the whole thing is Ustreamed. Father Roderick is <laughs> he's, uh, he's absolutely amazing. And he's so conscious also of the listening audience or, or the watching audience, those People who uh, who wanted to be at the CNMC but who just just couldn't for whatever reason, and people from all over the world. So he wanted to make sure that they could be involved, they could participate. So he ustreamed uh, so much. He ustreamed Friday, actually ustreamed the uh, the board meeting, but he put some country music on uh, so that you really couldn't hear much of what was going on in the board me- board meeting itself. He didn't want to give away too much uh, as far as the planning 
that, that goes into uh, Saturday, making Saturday happen and making it be the best that it could be. So he wanted to keep that secret. He had music playing in the background, but uh, it, it was just, it was awesome. So to sit down at the table with Father Roderick and Lisa Hendy and Matt and Catherine and uh, Deacon Tom uh, Fox and his wife Dee uh, and Inga, uh, which I know, Inga, I'm not pronouncing your name correctly. It's uh, Inga, I believe, Inga. Uh, I, I, I'm trying. <laughs> I'm trying. So, uh, but to, to sit down and have lunch with them and a cup of coffee was was delightful. It was absolutely delightful. But I, you know, being a foodie, I really wanted to try the food there in San Antonio. So, I decided I'd have a a, a light snack in the afternoon uh, before the meet and greet. So, after the the luncheon, when they started the board meeting, I headed down to the Riverwalk. And went all the way down to Casa Real. I went there because my friend Jesse Kleinpeter, uh, I had gone out the night before with him just to catch up, and we haven't seen each other in like 15 years. And I think I talked about that in episode 24. Uh, we we ended up at an Italian restaurant that night, but he had recommended Casa Rio. Said it was it was a, a really good Mexican restaurant. So I wanted to go down there, and I went. I just had a uh, I had chips and salsa. I actually had a margarita. It was very good. Uh, top shelf margarita, and I had a taco. I just had like one, one taco, uh, beef taco, and it was it was good. I mean, the food was good. It was very authentic uh, Mexican food. Uh, the salsa was uh, was really good. I, I really liked that. And of course, it was a salsa fresca, uh, which I will talk about in a bit. You know, there are many many different kinds of salsas, so I want to talk a bit about salsa. In this episode, I'm also going to give you a recipe for salsa. But chips and salsa, very good. Margarita, excellent. And the taco was, uh, it was good. It really was good. I enjoyed it. Uh, it was stuffed with meat, uh, cheese. I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, it did have cheese on top, uh, lettuce and tomato. And uh, I had some sour cream on the side. I put some sour cream uh, on there. And it, it, the, the meat, though, it had the, um, you could taste the cumin. And uh, it, it was, it had a, a, I guess like a natural uh, juice, or I guess some people might call it grease. <laughs> it was, but it was very flavorful and it was very good. It had some of that in, in there still with the uh, with the meat. So it was it was messy, but not too messy. Uh, very enjoyable. And I sat right there on uh, the river walk, right there on the river, and uh, watched the ducks swimming right there at my uh, at my feet, basically. And also uh, pigeons, pigeons flying all over the place. I had two of them on my table at one point, and I didn't know whether I should invite them to have a seat or uh, or shoo them away. But I, uh, I I did decide to shoo them away. So <laughs> I didn't want to share my food uh, with the uh, the pigeons. Uh, lots of fun. It was a it was a good afternoon. It was very sunny. It was very hot. But with the umbrella and the margarita, I was kept pretty cool. So I left there, and I went to the, the meet-and-greet after that, and once again, it was just so good to meet everybody, to, to finally meet people in person. And, I mean, I, I could go into a litany of all the people that uh, I met, but I know, I know myself, so I know that I would forget somebody. I would leave somebody out, and I just don't want to do that. Uh, but those of you who uh, met me and I, whom I met at the CNMC, howdy. Greetings, um, hi y'all! <laughs> so it was so good to meet you, and I just you know I look forward to continuing to get to know you better, and I do that uh, mainly through these blogs and podcasts, right? Blogs that I read and podcasts I listen to. 
Um, and we had some non-bloggers and non-podcasters there as well. Uh, so it was uh, just you know people who love new media and who are part of the SQPN family overall and who just enjoyed being there. It was great. It was absolutely wonderful. Uh, we ended up going out uh, Friday night. Uh, some of us went out after, and we went to the very same Mexican restaurant I went to for my snack, uh, Casa Rio. And it was nice. It was really good. It was fun to be out with other people. Uh, it, was, it was Sarah Bauer, uh, who is now really Sarah Sanson, and her husband Chris, uh, Danielle Bean, Lisa Hendy, uh, Chris Cash, uh, Nicholas, and I'm forgetting your last name, Nicholas, I'm so sorry, uh, from the Catholic Company, and also uh, Mountain Butorek. So all of us went out, and I think that's it. I certainly hope I didn't forget anybody. Uh, but we went out to this uh, to Casa Rio. Very, very good. And, of course, it was late. I mean, we didn't eat until probably 11.30 or 11.45 that night. It was, you know, the meet and greet went long, and everybody was talking afterwards, and we finally got out the door to go uh, grab something to eat. It, it was just a late, a late night, but wonderful. And of course, uh, Lisa Hindi's over there with her microphone, and she's <laughs> interviewing people and talking and describing things as uh, as she sat there at the table. And I believe on her last episode about the CNMC, she actually had that clip in her show. And I can't remember right now if she did or not, but uh, I'm pretty sure she did. So, uh, if you are a uh, a listener of uh, any number of SQPN podcasts or read uh, good Catholic blogs. I'm sure you have already heard and already read about the CNMC. And as I've said uh, before, I think I've said it already, there's just so much to it. There was just so much to it. I learned so much. And it's just really, I I think I'm kind of overwhelmed still by all the stuff that I experienced at the CNMC. Everything from meeting uh, all the people I got to meet to the the content of the day on Saturday, the 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 speakers, the workshops, the keynotes by Father Dave Dwyer, and then also uh, Patrick Madrid, and of course the the beautiful concert, oh the beautiful concert of Sarah Bauer uh, that afternoon that closed out the CNMC for us. It was wonderful. Uh, Lisa Hendy is uh, uh, she she likes to say that it was her own personal concert. So it was it was great. If you didn't see it, I mean if you weren't there. You can see it on Ustream. Just go to sqpn.com. Uh, most of the day was recorded via Ustream. So if you missed out, you can see uh, most of it there. And I highly encourage you to check it out. It was such a great day. So uh, I really don't know what else to say. I mean, there's so much I could say, I guess, about the CNMC. But I feel like if I started, that would be it. I'd be done, and I wouldn't be able to, to, to say anything else. Not to mention the fact that I feel like I'm still kind of unpacking everything from from that day and trying to make sense of it in my own head. So as we continue in, the, in, in future episodes, the next few episodes, and, and I will probably speak more about the CNMC, but until then, please check out uh, the Ustream recordings of, of the day, and also uh, check out so many blogs and, and podcasts. They've already talked so much about it, and uh, and I mean, for me, it's great. I listen to it, and I just remember everything. And it's, it, it's, uh, it, it was a a blessing. It was a real blessing. So um, anyway, I'm going to shut up now about the CNMC, and we're going to move on. We're going to talk today about Mexican food. So I hope that you enjoy Mexican food. Uh, I put something on Facebook the other day and also on uh, Twitter and Plurk, 
asking people what what is your favorite Mexican dish, and I got so many responses. It was it was great. Uh, people, I mean, you know what? I don't think now that I think about it, I don't think I had a single duplicate answer. I think everybody had a different dish that they really liked. So today we're going to talk about salsa. There are many different kinds of salsa, and I'm going to hit a few of those. And we're also going to talk about one of my favorite dishes, which is I've learned. I made this the other day, and I I realized uh, it's the first time I cooked it, how bad it is for you. (laughs) It was totally unhealthy. Uh, Char was very quick to point that out to me, uh, but it was delicious. So we're going to talk about chilaquiles as well as salsa, and uh, may throw a few things in there as well. So stick around. Mexican food coming up. Well, there's so many different kinds of salsa, and the one that that most of us would uh, would would associate with salsa. If we heard, you know, chips and salsa, the thing that we uh, the the type that we think of first off is salsa fresca because that's the type of of salsa that's most prevalent in the United States. And I, I don't know, I don't know any of you who listen in other parts of the world. Is there a different type of salsa that you would uh, you would have, or is Mexican food even prevalent? Is it there in in your own uh, country, your own city? I'd love to know. Well, as you probably know, salsa simply means sauce, and uh, salsa fresca is fresh sauce. And salsa fresca is basically uncooked ingredients, uncooked salsa, uh, uncooked, well, I mean, like tomatoes and onions and uh, chilies and uh, other spices, right, that that all come together, cilantro, and it's not cooked. It's just, it's raw. Now, it can be blended together, and uh, usually that, that's exactly what happens, uh, but it's not a cooked salsa. And there are cooked salsas. Matter of fact, if you look at uh, most of the jarred salsas that you get at the store, I'm thinking of Pace, uh, picante sauce in particular, it's a cooked salsa. Uh, that's one of the reasons why it stays fresh in the jar for as long as it, as it does. Uh, so it's a cooked salsa. It's prepared, and uh, a fresh salsa is what we normally have. And I love fresh salsa. And fresh salsa is very similar to what's known as pico de gallo, uh, which, if I if I believe, uh, would mean in English like bird's beak. Uh, I, I could be I could be off on that, but if my if memory serves me correctly, it's like the the beak of the bird. And I think part of that is because it used to be picked up with the fingers to to be eaten. Uh, so your fingers, you know, when you're you're pulling putting your fingers together to pick something up like that. It could be uh, like, look like a bird, right? A bird's beak. So pico de gallo. And uh, pico is not as finely chopped. The ingredients are not as finely chopped. It's more of a, I don't know, the word that comes to mind is rustic, right? It's more of a um, uh, chunky, fresh salsa. But it's delicious as well. There are three salsas that are very similar. First one is salsa fresca, which really is kind of like pureed or or uh, processed, right? Like a food processor. Uh, it's it's blended together really well. And another one is the pico de gallo, which same ingredients, but it's basically just chopped finely. It's not 
uh, blended together. And then another one is salsa cruda, cruda, right? Salsa cruda uh, in English. <laughs> and it means uh, a crude sauce. Um, and it's really kind of like more chunky than the pico de gallo. Pico de gallo is more fine, finely chopped stuff. Uh, salsa cruda is uh, roughly chopped. I guess, I hope that makes sense. I hope that makes sense. Uh, many people are also familiar with uh, salsa verde. Salsa verde is a green sauce. And this salsa is uh, made with chilies and tomatillos. Tomatillos are like very small tomatoes, green tomatoes. Uh, that's what makes it green. Uh, and, of course, it's got cilantro, which is also uh, green. But it is still a tomato-based sauce, uh, uh, salsa, and you can find that fresh or, or cooked as well. A couple of other very familiar salsas would be uh, guacamole. Guacamole is a, a salsa. You dip chips into it, or you can put it on a sandwich or on anything, really. Uh, I'm not a fan of guacamole, I admit it. Uh, my wife loves it. And I think my uh, distaste for guacamole goes back to my time in Mexico. We had gone on a day of reflection. I was in the seminary, by the way. And we went on a day of reflection away from the uh, the seminary. And the cook had prepared sandwiches, just like a bag lunch for us to take with us. And the yeah, I thought it was like a ham sandwich. And I went and bit into the sandwich and... I can't quite describe to you what happened. <laughs> it was the sandwich did have a, a meat in it, like a, a, a ham or uh, something like that, turkey. I, I don't really remember at this point in time, but uh, it also had guacamole in it. So it's white bread with a layer of, of uh, thinly sliced meat and then guacamole. And that stuff just kind of like expanded in my mouth like foam. And, I, I mean, first of all, I wasn't expecting it. I didn't see it. I just bit into the sandwich. And I, I can't tell you. I, it was just the most disgusting thing I'd ever experienced in my life. So ever since then, I just can't bring myself to eat guacamole. My wife loves it. My uh, my, my kids, my, at least my girls, uh, Annabelle and Grace, they love it. I don't think Christopher likes it too well. He takes after me. But uh, So guacamole I stay away from. But I understand that people love it. It's great. And do you like it? I don't know. Do you like it? That, that would be a good question for me to ask you. Uh, in addition, there's another salsa, which people, uh, um, not many people know about this one. At least I've encountered, I haven't encountered very many people who know about it, and it's called mole. Mole is known as a royal sauce, and it's made from uh, roasted uh, dried chilies, and it's mixed with spices and unsweetened chocolate, which gives it almost like a... I guess kind of like a, a a bitter, almost like a bitter taste to it, uh, and it also has almonds in it. But it's it's thick and rich. It has sort of a nutty kind of a taste to it, but it's also uh, bitter or almost like uh, almost pungent in a way. It's dark, like chocolate, and it's just thick, you know, thick uh, mole. And I used to have uh, pollo. Con, you know, mole, uh, a chicken with this sauce uh, was a famous dish. I guess, famous, I don't know, but it was one that we used to have quite a bit when I lived in Mexico. Now, moles, mole can also have different things. It can have peanuts, it could have plantains, it could be, which is known as platanos in, in Spanish, uh, cloves or cinnamon, uh, onion, garlic, sesame seeds, uh, different types of chilies. Uh, you could also have, <laughs> you could have tomatoes, you could have uh, raisins or bread or lard or 
uh, anise, cloves, cinnamon, all these different things could be in mole. And of course, different regions in Mexico make different types. And so in one area, you could have mole and it, it'll taste completely different than, than somewhere else. So in, in the grocery stores around here, there, are, there there is mole in a jar. You can get it. I've never bought it here, but I have had it many times in Mexico. It's good stuff, but it's almost like, it's kind of like scotch or even beer in a way. It's, it's kind of like uh, an acquired taste. It's not. It doesn't taste the way you would think it would taste. It's, it's kind of bitter um, and, and almost pungent. So uh, it's an acquired taste. It's good once you get used to it. It's very good. And if you haven't tried mole, I'd recommend you do. The last salsa that I will mention uh, today is a uh, taco salsa. And uh, you're probably very familiar with this kind of sa uh, salsa. You, If you make tacos at home, uh, oftentimes if you buy a kit, you have a taco seasoning mix that comes with that kit. If you don't buy a kit, you can uh, also just pick up packages of taco seasoning at the store. Uh, we like to make ours from scratch, and uh, Char has a recipe, and she can make uh, like big batches of it. That's what she does. And I can't remember how many servings it, it makes. I don't know if it's like 12 servings or 18. I, I can't remember. But we have all the ingredients already, all the different spices, and we just mix them together and keep them in a jar. And whenever we do tacos, whether it's beef tacos or chicken tacos, we use this dry, the dry spices, and just add them to the pot and let that cook. And oftentimes, you know, we don't we add a little water as well. Uh, when we're doing like the, the meat or the chicken, you add a little water and the sauce or the spices mix up, mix in with the water. And of course, a lot of it is evaporated or, or cooked out. But you also have natural juices from the beef or the chicken uh, that, that kind of settle in to the sauce. So taco seasoning, taco sauce uh, can be very good. And oftentimes, uh, you'll find it, it made with um, uh, tomatoes, of course, tomatoes, uh, chilies, vinegar, garlic, and salt. Uh, those are common uh, ingredients for a sauce that's already prepared, whether it's at a restaurant or in a jar. And of course, you know, we don't really use vinegar at our house. We use the water, as I said, and uh, just the natural juices of the meat. Very good. If you are interested in the recipe, uh, you may want to let me know. I can get that for you. Uh, I'm not going to put that on the show today. Maybe I'll save it for another time. If you ask for it. I will give you one recipe, though, uh, this, this episode. Uh, this happened just this past week. It was an accident, uh, actually. It was not something I intended, but what happened... Yeah, I have Mexican food on the brain, so I really wanted to uh, to make a few things. I wanted to make these uh, chilaquiles, uh, which is kind of like a Mexican lasagna, and it's got layers of uh, corn tortillas and beef, or some people make it with chicken, uh, and, a, and a salsa and cheese and sour cream, and you just kind of layer that, and then it's baked in the oven. And, and chilaquiles originally was one of those dishes, kind of like a casserole, where you are trying to get rid of your leftovers. But it's very good. I had it in Mexico a few times, and it's, it was very spicy. Oh, my goodness, it was spicy. But I just I couldn't get enough of it. It was so delicious. So I want, I've never made it before. I had never made it before, but I thought, you know what? I want to do it. I want to make it. So uh, first, the first step for me was to make a salsa. And, you know, I have a salsa recipe that we have used 
for years. And uh, Char actually came up with this, and she uh, she's the one usually in charge of making the salsa. And uh, I mean, it's just it's really good. We like it. That's why we keep using it. But what happened is we we didn't have all the ingredients to make that particular salsa, so we're kind of stuck. We actually had we usually would use uh, canned tomatoes, like diced tomatoes, and we uh, inadvertently we had bought the wrong uh, the wrong kind. It was like like an Italian diced tomatoes with basil and all in it, and we, we can't use that for a Mexican salsa. So it just so happened, though, that we had some fresh tomatoes on hand. These were tomatoes that were given, uh, well, some of them came from our garden. They were Creole tomatoes. Creole, by the way, is my favorite variety of tomato, and I can't begin to explain to you uh, why or how it tastes. It's just um, they're Creoles, and, and they're delicious. Uh, but we had those, and we also had a handful of tomatoes that my uncle had given me, I think on Monday or Tuesday, uh, it was Tuesday, uh, after my grandfather's funeral. My grandfather passed away this past week, and uh, the funeral was Tuesday, and we had a big, I don't know, I want to call it a reception, but the family got together at my aunt's house after the uh, the funeral, and we had food and we got to hang out for a while. Anyway, he gave me some tomatoes to bring home. So I just happened to have fresh tomatoes on hand. And I have to tell you, I had never made salsa from fresh tomatoes. Or I take that back. I have, but that was probably 15 to 17 years ago. It was a long time ago. So this is what I did. I took probably six or eight. I can't remember exactly. It was probably like eight goodly sized tomatoes. And uh, I quartered them. And threw them in a, in a, actually, first thing, back up. Let's back up here. First thing is I took about uh, a third of a large yellow onion. A third of a, a large yellow onion. And uh, I just kind of chopped them into big chunks, like real big chunks, and threw them in the food processor. I have a Cuisinart. Threw it in there. Uh, I think about five or six cloves of garlic. Put those in the, in the Cuisinart. And uh, what else did I put? Oh, jalapeno peppers. I had, I think, three of them, and what I would do is, you know, wash them off really well and chop the uh, the stems off, cut them lengthwise down the middle to where I'm, I'm cutting them basically in half lengthwise, and I take a spoon, and I, I scrape that spoon on the inside of the pepper to get all the seeds out, and I, I keep the seeds. The seeds are reserved uh, because I do want to add some to the salsa. It adds a lot of heat to it, but I don't want to add too much. So I reserve that. Then I take the, uh, the the half of jalapeno peppers. I take all three of them, and I, I throw them in the Cuisinart as well. And what I'll do is I'll process that just for, I don't know, uh, several seconds. I, I really just want to get those three ingredients, the onions, the garlic, and the peppers, uh, uh, mixed up really well. So after that, I'll take, uh, we do take one can of small, like a small can of green chilies, which you can find in the grocery store in the Mexican food section. Uh, just one can, it's small, I don't know how many ounces it is, but it, it's not your big one, it's not like a 15-ounce can or a 12-ounce can, it's more like a, I don't know, three, four, five, somewhere around there, ounce can of green chilies, and they're already uh, uh, blended together, they're, they're kind of chopped up uh, really well. Uh, so I dumped that in there, and also uh, put a can, I'm sorry, I didn't use cans, <laughs> I'm, I'm used to giving the old recipe, uh, I took the fresh tomatoes, and I quartered them, and then just dumped them all into the Cuisinart. Uh, I took a, a large lime, and I started out with half the juice of half the lime, and I squeezed that out really well into the Cuisinart, added a 
good size, a generous tablespoon of cumin. And once again, i got to warn you, all this stuff is to taste. So if you're going to do this recipe, if you're going to make this salsa, please taste it a lot as you're going along. Uh, you can always add more cumin if you need to, but we did about, it was a generous uh, tablespoon of cumin. Also, salt to taste. I usually put some salt in there just to start out uh, before I, I process everything uh, so that when I go to taste it, it does have some salt in it. Uh, and then I took a about a third to a half a bunch of parsley. I picked all that parsley, which that's the thing that takes the most time. So I picked the parsley and uh, put all that in there, and then I processed it. I blended it really well. And, of course, these were real tomatoes, so it came out really... I don't want to say watery, but it was not real thick. It was more of a of a of a thin, uh, liquidy type of a of salsa. But I tell you what, it was unbelievable. It, it was the best salsa we ever made, and it was completely by accident. I was just making things up as I went along. But I did make sure to write down what I did after the fact because this is something we're going to repeat. Matter of fact, I've made this salsa two more times just this past week, and that's a story for another day. Uh, I did make the chilaquiles, uh, I guess it was probably two, three days ago now. So I made uh, some more salsa because we, we, we just took chips to the, the first batch and we couldn't stop. It was so good. So uh, we did do the chilaquiles and I had to make more salsa for that. And that's, once again, that's a story for another day. What I will do, though, is I'm going to put a couple of recipes for chilaquiles on the website. So you can go to catholicfoodie.com and check that out. Well, uh, I talked about the CNMC earlier, but what happened two days before I left, I ended up talking to a friend of mine who is the youth minister, the high school youth minister at our parish, at my parish. And, you know, I do the confirmation program. I do basically catechesis uh, for high school level uh, teens and also the confirmation program. And he handles all the youth ministry stuff uh, for that same age group. And, you know, we, we have worked together on a lot of things and... He's also kind of into technology. He's kind of a geek like me. And I wanted to sit down and have a talk with him on, on his thoughts, his ideas about catechesis and youth ministry with new media. And I thought this was appropriate since I was about to leave for the CNMC. I wanted to get some ideas from him, and I also uh, I was just excited about going to the CNMC. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to play this conversation for you. I did record this. I'm going to play it for you right now. And... Uh, uh, this is Adolfo Rodriguez, who is a, a very good friend of mine, and here we go. Uh, well, I am speaking with Adolfo Rodriguez, uh, who works for St. Peter Parish. Right. Uh, what, what do you do here, Adolfo? I am the high school youth minister for the, the Torch Youth Group. Okay, and what does all that involve? I know it's a lot. A lot. <laughs> um, uh, juggling many things and wearing many hats. Um, I coordinate the events for the youth group. Um, I participate in all the events for the youth group, plan the retreats, um, organize any of the functions, get the buses, all of those things that, that are involved with, uh, with running a youth group um, administratively, but also, of course, spiritually, uh, making sure that we're on, uh, that we're beating with the heartbeat of the church, that, yeah. um, that all of uh, our youth nights are, are centered around either a saint's feast day mm -hmm. or a church's feast day. Um, 
so that we're able to to share the gospel with teenagers where they are. Right. Awesome. That's the plan. Awesome. Uh, I know also, since I do the confirmation program, that you have graciously, uh, I think for two years now, is that right? Two going years? On, going on the third. You have, uh, that's right. You have uh, taught the uh, the freshman class, the ninth grade class, uh, uh, PSR, right. Paris School of Religion. Uh, and, and in my capacity in working with confirmation, I, I, I'm familiar with the fact, or I know how you have been... Uh, trying to incorporate certain aspects of new media, particularly a blog, mm-hmm. and, and, uh, and coordinating that class or communicating with that class. And how, how did that come about? Um, well, for, on a personal level, I, I uh, am a fan of blogs. I follow uh, quite a few people's blogs. And so the blogging world was familiar to me. Um, and in conversation with the kids, um, they have mentioned blogs as well. Either they keep some or were, they were familiar with the process. And so it made sense to me that uh, putting on the essays, that's really what it started out as being, is a way to communicate the essays for the week so that when they weren't paying attention in class or they didn't write <laughs> right. it down, right. they, could, they could go back and find it somewhere. Right. Um, a blog is cheap. I think it's free, the right. one that we're using. Yeah. Um, and it's something that, uh, that I can have some fun with as well. I can, I can post... Um, not just essays, but I can post thoughts on the class. Mm-hmm. I can post videos that might be relevant or entertaining. And more than anything else, I think what I enjoy about it is they're able to give feedback immediately in the comments section. And I'm, right. I'm able to track, I'm able to answer questions, of course, about the essay. That happens a lot. Um, but I can sort of track their spiritual development a little bit yeah. uh, from beginning to end. Um, so it works out well for both of us. And, you know, I have, I've taken, you know, a few times I've gone over to the blog just to check it out and see what's going on. And I've noticed that you have a lot of participation from the students. Lots of comments and... Um, in, in particular, um, there was a contest to see if they could get up to 100 comments oh. <laughs> on one. So. <laughs> so there's some incentive there to right. uh, do it. Okay. And, that, and that was totally born out of their idea. It had nothing to do with me. It was an internal contest Very good. to get up to 100. In addition to the comments that they make on the blog, mm-hmm. do they talk about like the blog in particular or their experience of it in class? Like when they're there, do they talk about, oh, I posted such and such? Or I... They have, um, and in a couple of ways. One, um, when a, a student has missed something, or if I've had to rearrange a class or been a time or two I've had to, to alter the schedule, and, um, and students showed up anyway and class right. was canceled. Uh, there was some teasing about, well, check the blog. That, right. That, that, so there was some accountability for between them, which I thought was nice. Um, but yeah, we've discussed the blog, and I've, I've promised to put things on there mm-hmm. that, uh, that might explain something, a concept in detail. I think we had uh, ancillary issues that come up during class that we can't focus on. Uh, it was very important, I guess, for a very personal reason for one young lady uh, to discuss suicide and the church's teaching on on uh, the afterlife for suicides. Right. And uh, we didn't have the, the time, and it really wasn't appropriate within the class setting to do so, so we did it over the blog. Hmm. And I was able to post the catechism, uh, what the catechism talks about in regard to suicide, and, uh, and there were some comments along the way, so it, it, it provoked a discussion there as well. Awesome. That's great. It was, it was cool. And when she did that, did she do it anonymously, or did she put her name... To, to some people put their names in the comments some people are anonymous with yeah, them. Um, yeah. I find that the anonymous comments come in two varieties um, 
silliness. Yeah. That they that they're right. not sure that I might get upset over. Right. Or or something like that where it it's very personal and they don't right. want someone to know. Yeah. And what about the parents? Have the parents have you noticed any comments from them? Just one. Just one. Yeah, <laughs> um, I, I I know about that one, so we can maybe <laughs> skip that. But um, that that would be one of the things I, I'd uh, I'd really like to know more about. I mean, not necessarily, you know, I'm not asking you, but uh, just in general, is how how do these blogs that are really for the classes, they can also be used to, to contact parents. It could be absolutely. used to to bring parents into the whole formation process. I have heard as well. parents mention the blog to me. They've yeah. um, they've asked if if the next phase of of PSR or a confirmation prep is going to have a blog. So I know that they've looked at it, and wow. um, they've told me that they've used it when students are behind in the essays. Mm -hmm. uh, they've sat down with their son or daughter and checked out the blog for the essays. Okay. Um, so I know that parents have used it. They just don't comment. Or they if they comment. do, they do it anonymously. Yeah. Well, very good. Uh, do you, in addition to the blog, are there any ideas you have as far as... Uh, other ways that social media could be used in catechesis? Hmm. Well, it's very hard, I think. I don't know that Twitter lends itself to, to catechesis from, a, from a, a sharing standpoint or a teaching standpoint. But I think from an administrative standpoint, it certainly does. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, the Archdiocese of New Orleans with the youth groups now, um, for, a, for a set fee, um, will offer unlimited texting. All I need to provide is the... Uh, is my cell phone number and the kids' cell phone numbers, and I'll be able to text them through a through a system that the archdiocese has for uh, for events or anything like that. So it certainly could be used that way. Oh, that's awesome! You got to tell me more about that because I'm not <laughs> I'm not doing that yet. Uh, what about uh, Facebook? I know you have a Facebook I account. Do. Have you noticed that any of the, or any of the students, uh, the confirmation students, or the, the 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 ninth grade? Mm -hmm. Students have contacted you through Facebook. Through Facebook, I've received a few. Um, I, I I'm toying with the idea of also creating a Facebook page for right. uh, for Prep One mm -hmm. um, because I know they're on there. I mean, the kids are there. So and for me, I mean, Facebook is fun from from my standpoint. But from a teaching and and youth ministry standpoint, if they're going to be there, then I should be there. Right. Um, and Facebook and MySpace seem to be areas that, that they inhabit. So I need to be there on some level, um, you know, to not to show that I'm cool because I'm decidedly uncool, uh, <laughs> um, but to meet them where they are and right. if where they are is cyberspace, and that's where we need to be. Yeah, and I think that's, I think that's the whole point uh, behind using social media to evangelize and catechize is that you really have to be where people are. Right. And you're talking about relig religious education, or catechesis, kids are on the internet. Mm -hmm. You know, so in a way, you want to uh, be present and to present information, present material, uh, present ideas and concepts in such a way that they don't. They're not in the classroom. Right. Right. So they're getting this uh, almost. Uh, it becomes just part of the atmosphere for them. You know. So I think that's, uh, at least in my own thinking, that's kind of where I'm coming from. What I what I think. And maybe I, I, maybe I'm just not in tune with uh, as much as they are with social media. But I, it has its limitations. Oh, absolutely. For, for catechesis, yeah. and I think it has to be geared toward, uh, toward a personal meeting. Right. Um, it, it, it can't substitute for the classroom. Absolutely. Um, at, or or the youth group function or whatever it may be. Um, there's a, 
there's that personal interaction that uh, that even through immediate uh, Facebook messaging or whatever it may be, it, you need the interpersonal communication. That's just not there. Right. Um, so I think it's as as a tool to get them from point A to point B. I sure. think it's very effective. Wow. But it certainly can't stop there. Right. Right. It's just a tool on the way. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like everything else. Have you ever thought about podcasting? I have. I just don't know how. Okay. <laughs> um, well, then we need to talk. <laughs> <laughs> I would. I would. I. I think. I know you have mm -hmm. podcasted lectures in the past, um, and I think it would be beneficial um, for them, especially if students miss a class. Right. Um, I know the makeup. The makeup process confuses them. Confuses me. So. Yeah. So being able to to utilize a podcast would be a good idea. Well, cool. Any final thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, as far as I, I can talk about blogging more, because that's what I okay. I participate in uh, more often than not. Um, there's a there's a blog that I follow where the man, the, the gentleman's posted. So no thought of mine, however stupid, may it go unpublished again. Right, that's right. Uh, <laughs> I think I've seen that. That's uh. <laughs> But is that Mark Shea? It right? is. It's Mark yeah. Shea, and he's got yeah. a wonderful blog. Um, <laughs> but his that what that sparked in me was the idea that that I could do it. Right. Um, I'm I'm almost 35 years old, so so I I think to some degree it, it almost feels out of place some of the social media things, and yet having the freedom to knowing that I can say anything, mm -hmm. and it can be as dumb as as possible there's some freedom in that and it's a mm -hmm. even from a religious standpoint I can post silly things um, that can lead to a discussion of other things right um, I had the it, it made me feel so old that they didn't really know who you two was really <laughs> right oh my goodness yeah I feel old too <laughs> that was that was disconcerting <laughs> and uh, they, they of course they have a new album out and I was able to put on the blog the video for their, their, it's called Magnificent. I don't know if mm -hmm. you've heard the song. I've heard. And, it, and Bono says it is based on the Magnificat prayer. Wow. And when you read the lyrics and you watch it, not only is it a good song, but you can see where he's coming from there. I was able to post that on there because we were discussing prayers and being open to God, saying yes to God. Uh, and so, and they liked the song. They didn't know who U2 was necessarily, but we were able to discuss the song. Uh, a cool. couple of kids said they wanted to learn how to play it. Very cool. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> So it, it it's almost a bridge, you know, mm -hmm. it, using between my generation maybe and uh, and and theirs, and uh, and I am very thankful for the opportunity uh, to use the social media in that way. Yeah, yeah I think it's uh, it's really cool because you, as you said, posting silly things. It's like you can post things you, using social media in this way, or using a blog in particular in this way, is not simply a regurgitation of the what? class material. Right. But that you could actually post tidbits of information or entertaining things that pertain to the faith Absolutely. or that somehow you can draw a connection to the faith and in a way it makes them more comfortable, mm -hmm. more at ease uh, because you're not beating them over the head with a teaching on, you know, sin and redemption, but instead you got, I don't know, like a cartoon strip or a YouTube video or something that uh, communicates or at least opens a door for that topic and the ability the ability to to not just uh, use a blog to write things but to post to YouTube right. where they are I mean YouTube is huge huge um, so to be able so that they can see that that uh, 
Well, yeah, then I'm able to use it too. They get a kick out of that. Yeah. <laughs> that, that I'm on YouTube the way right. they're on YouTube. Right. But uh, be able to guide them in, in, in certain directions yeah. and really to foster, more than anything else, what I like about it is we're able to foster conversations that we may not be able to have in the classroom. Absolutely. Um, and it's just another way to reach them. And, and to that degree, it's glorious. It really is. Yeah. I agree 100%. <laughs> well, Adolfo, thank you so much for taking Thanks the time to, to speak with us. And uh, we'll pray for you and your ministry here at St. Peter's. And I look forward to reading more stuff on your blog. <laughs> I look forward to posting more stuff on the blog. Thanks, uh, Jeff. You're welcome. Bye-bye. All right, it's time for us to talk about feedback. Uh, yeah, I want to make a comment about feedback, actually, before I play some for you. Wow, that was loud. That's uh, That was Skype. I was loading Skype up. I did receive some voice feedback uh, this past week, and I wanted to play that for you. But uh, what I wanted to say, first of all, is that I've noticed a change happening over the last few months. You know, when I ask for feedback, I always give the, the voicemail number, and I also give my email address. And for months, it seemed like I was getting email feedback. I did get some voicemail, but most of it was email feedback. Well, what I'm noticing now is that I'm getting some email feedback, but most of it, I'd say 90% of my feedback, comes to me via Facebook, Twitter, and Plurk. Uh, matter of fact, we do have a Catholic Foodie Facebook page. And if you go to catholicfoodie.com, there is a link on the right-hand side of the screen. There is a link uh, to the Facebook page. I would highly encourage you to join that. We have had uh, some lively discussions over there. And lots of, uh, lots of feedback, lots of responses. And it's, it's kind of hard for me to go back now and, and say, okay, so-and-so said this, so-and-so said this. Uh, there's just so much there. And I, I would hate to leave anybody out. So what I encourage you to do is to go over to the Facebook page, go uh, onto Twitter. If you're not following the Catholic Foodie on Twitter, uh, follow me. And there's also a link there on catholicfoodie.com to, uh, uh, to my, face, uh, my Twitter uh, profile. You can, you can follow me that way. And uh, you're able to see at that point all the feedback. So that would be great. And uh, once again, if you do want to leave feedback via email, please do so. I'm uh, more than happy to receive email feedback. And also voicemail. I love voicemail. Uh, voice feedback. If you want to give me a call and let me know what you are thinking, let me know what you think about the show, uh, what you love to eat, what you're cooking, uh, anything like that, please do so. I love uh, voice feedback because it's something I get to play on the show. And that number, once again, is 985-635-4974. So give me a call. Let me know what's going on in your kitchen. And uh, email is catholicfoodie at gmail.com. Once again, join the Facebook group. Follow me on Twitter. Follow me on Plurk. Uh, on Plurk, I'm under my, my, my name, so it's Jeff Young on Plurk, but you're able to leave feedback there as well. And uh, that's, that would be wonderful. I appreciate it. Now, I did receive some voice feedback uh, this week from Nick Padley. I met Nick at the uh, CNMC. Wonderful guy. He's got a new podcast out with his brother, Patrick. And I'm going to play a promo uh, from them shortly. Uh, it's a great podcast called In Between Sundays, and I'll tell you more about it in a minute. But Nick did call the other day, and he left this message. Hey, Jeff, this is Nick from In Between Sunday Podcast. I am uh, calling. I just finished listening to Episode 4 because I just started listening to your podcast after the Catholic New Media Celebration. So uh, uh, I'm really enjoying the show, and I heard you talk about beer and the fact that you're a home brewer, and I thought I'd share with you that I'm a home brewer myself. and wanted to give you a few beers that I really enjoy. 
show. The first one that I am a huge fan of is this one that I found back in the small corner of one of our shops here in Kansas City called Old Dub, and it's a stout that has been brewed and aged in the same oak casks that they used to make Irish whiskey. So the, it's, it's got this just a great smoky flavor to it with just this nice whiskey finish on it as well. And then there's two beers that, as a home brewer, I really enjoy making. The first is a, an Irish red recipe that I picked up from one of the local homebrew shops. And another that I found in a book called Clone Brews of North America. It's a beer called La Fin du Monde, and it's a Canadian beer. It means the end of the world in French. And it's, it's, a, it's a beer that's more of an amber ale, but it's, it has a, a lot of hops in it, so it's very, very bitter. And it's got a wonderful taste to it. So uh, when I get a chance, because I'm currently driving out in rural Kansas to help out with a uh, youth group fireworks volunteer stand, I will email you those recipes so you can take a look at them. Thanks a lot, and God bless. Awesome. Thank you so much, Nick, for that feedback. And, you know, I, I love... I love beer, first of all. Beer is just delicious, and it's actually a gift to mankind from God himself. And uh, it's it's great, and I love many different kinds of beers. I, I'm not much into your typical domestic you know, Budweiser, Miller Lite kind of stuff. I really don't like that uh, at all. I used to when I was, when I was young and uh, didn't have much experience with, with beer, but now I'm really into like your uh, specialty beers, uh, your microbreweries, and also... Imports. I really enjoy beers from around the world. And yes, I, I used to homebrew. I did that. Uh, it's been a number of years. I really haven't done any any homebrewing for a number of years. And that really it changed when I started having kids. Uh, I just didn't have the room to do it. I didn't have a place to store all my bottles. I didn't have particularly. I did not have a place to keep my uh, the, the beer as it would ferment for two weeks. Uh, I didn't have a place to keep that at a constant temperature. I couldn't put it outside because uh, it's too hot here in Louisiana, and I couldn't. I, I just I couldn't put it in the kids' room. I couldn't put it uh, in the bathroom, and that's what, the place where I used to keep it when I was doing it was in the kids' bathroom because the kids we had we had an infant. That's all we had, so I would be able to put it on the counter in there. But what happened is as the as the the my my son at the time uh, was getting a little bigger. Uh, he was using that bathroom, and, and even before he was walking, uh, we started using that bathroom for him, so it became very difficult to just leave beer in there uh, for uh, two weeks. So anyway, that that sort of curtailed my, uh, my home brewing. I've got friends who do it now, and we keep talking about me jumping in with them, going in on uh, some batches and, and doing that together. It hasn't happened yet. Uh, I want it to happen. And it's something that I am working on. Uh, it's really a time issue, I believe. Uh, but what I would love is for you to go ahead and send those recipes. I'd love to see those. And it may be something that we can incorporate with, uh, with this group of friends who, uh, who brew beer on a regular basis. So thank you so much, Nick. And once again, Nick and his uh, brother Pat or Patrick, uh, they have a, uh, a new podcast out. It's called In Between Sundays. Fantastic show. Funny. And they are so good together. They, they just uh, they play off each other so well. It's a wonderful conversation the entire time, and uh, it's good, solid Catholic stuff. And they're really trying, I think, to give practical uh, information or practical uh, content on how to live the Catholic faith and you know in your own life, how to live it out 
uh, in today's world. And I think the, the podcast is really kind of geared towards young adults, but it speaks to everybody. And it, it, it's, it's a lot of fun. I would encourage you to check it out. I believe their website is inbetweensundays.com. And uh, let me play this promo for you. Ah, that is so good. That is probably the best root beer float from Sonic I have ever had. I can't believe they, they would give these away for free. Um, Pat, why would you of all people be deserving of a free root beer float? I uh, mean, seriously. Nick, isn't it obvious they're celebrating our new podcast in between Sundays? Uh, all the listeners, go ahead and thank me. I just set this little thing up with Sonic, so it's, it's all good. Um, that's obviously not true, and I don't think they should be thanking you for free root beer floats from Sonic. But they can't thank us for a new podcast uh, in between Sundays. <laughs> Hi, I'm Pat. And I'm Nick. And we're from In Between Sundays, a new podcast for young adults. This podcast was created to help young adults grow in their faith and to help them learn more about carrying on what we learn each hour on Sunday. And you guys can find us online at inbetweensundays.com. We also got a Facebook group, uh, search for us on iTunes, that kind of stuff. We want to be your podcast for the other six days of the week. And, you know, while you're at it, just go ahead and get a free root beer float. I mean... It's on Wednesday, so if you're listening to this on Wednesday, just go ahead and get a, get a free root beer float. Patrick, the deal's going to be over by then. Well, get a root beer float anyway, because Nick will pay for it for you. What? <laughs> Lots of fun. Uh, I'm really enjoying that podcast. If you haven't uh, heard it yet, go ahead and check them out, inbetweensundays.com. And uh, this pretty much wraps up our show. Uh, I thank you for being here. I've, I've enjoyed this. And I want to ask you one thing, though, before we close out. I've already given you the information to to give feedback uh, to the Catholic Foodie, uh, but I want to ask one more thing of you. Um, If you would, if you have a moment, if you could spare just a moment and go over to iTunes and leave a review of the Catholic Foodie, that would be awesome. I would really appreciate it. Uh, If you like the show, go to iTunes, leave a review. Uh, You know, it's... I finally figured out how this thing works, and a lot of this, I think, comes from my experience with the CNMC and how we really do need to promote our shows, not because I have a big head and and want to talk just about myself, but because even though I'm talking about food, I also talk about faith, right? It's food, faith, family, fun. Uh, we need to promote that because we need good content on iTunes. We need good content with in all the new media, everything that's online, and you know, Catholics are in a great position right now uh, to offer good content to the whole world. And one of the things that we do is is use iTunes, use the podcast. And iTunes, the way it, it uh, filters through things is that the more feedback, the more positive uh, reviews that a podcast has, uh, the higher it is ranked up in the in the list. So at some point, w- once we have like tons of uh, of uh, uh, reviews on there and, and good uh, ratings, then when someone searches for Catholic, then maybe the Catholic foodie will come up. You never know. So right now, you uh, put Catholic and then start to do foodie, like F, boom, we show up in the uh, drop-down menu, which is awesome. So uh, please do that. Uh, if, you, if you could just spare a moment, it helps to promote the show and to uh, get new listeners. And that's not just for my benefit, but it's it's for the benefit of uh, all Catholic podcasters, uh, I really like promoting other shows. I love SQPN. I try as much as possible to support the shows 
uh, that SQPN is a you know that are affiliated with SQPN. So um, you can help me do that. You can help me do that. Say, thank you so much. And until next time, bon appetit.